0: Campwire is made possible with the generous support of our sponsors. Camp and Class Manager from Active Network is the premier camp management software for every season. Our advanced all-in-one camp management solution makes it easier than ever to ensure that everyone from staff to participants are happy campers all year long. With feature-rich marketing tools, flexible online registration, and powerful reporting and performance tracking learn more at activenetworks.com/aca My name is John Beitner, and I'm the professional development manager for ACA's Western Region. It is my pleasure today to speak with the authors of The Business of Camp, Anne Sheets and Dave Tenson. Dave Tenson owns and directs Tamarack Day Camp in the north suburbs of Chicago with his wife Lucia, and also owns and operates an early childhood school program in the off months. He has earned his master's degree in management and business and has extensive experience in staff training and development, having worked many years in consumer sales before moving to the camp world. He served on the ACA Illinois Board of Directors and as Standards Chair for many years. Most recently, Dave has been volunteering with ACA as a member of the ACA National Conference Planning and Program Teams and has presented many times at conferences and webinars. They've co-authored The Business of Camp, a comprehensive resource guide for camp professionals in 2014. Ann Sheets has spent more than 40 years in nonprofit management in roles ranging from camp director to chief financial officer to president and CEO of Campfire First Texas. After retiring from Campfire in 2020, she joined the nonprofit Risk Management Center as a senior consultant, most recently researching and editing a toolkit on building organizational resilience. In addition to her professional work with Campfire, she was the national president of the American Camp Association for three years, serving on the ACA National Board of Directors and on the board of the American Camping Foundation. She has been recognized by ACA with the Distinguished Service Award and was named as the Distinguished Alum for George Williams College. A frequent presenter at conferences on fundraising, board development, and nonprofit management, Anne is the co-author with Dave Tenson of The Business of Camp and served as the editor of the ninth edition of Basic Camp Management, both published by Healthy Learning for ACA. She has an undergraduate degree in music education from Texas A&M, and a commerce and graduate degree in camping administration from George Williams College of Aurora University, where she currently serves on the board of trustees. Today we will be discussing trends, challenges, solutions, adaptations, and surprises. What rate remains the same since the publication of the business of CAMP in 2014 and what is new? For example, who could have imagined virtual CAMP? So Dave, you ran CAMP in person in 2020 and 2021. What have you learned from operating during these extraordinary times?
1: (laughs) Wow, (laughs) how long do we have for this, John? You know, I think I think the thing that I've learned, and this is just from from whether that was the ACA national conference last year, which was virtual, um, or the number of our colleagues that did virtual camp last year is just the adaptability and the resilience of, of camp people um, to try to find a way to reach our participants. You know, nobody could have predicted the impact that COVID had on any of us, you know, not just in the camping business, but anywhere, um, but but seeing the way our colleagues uh, overcame and adapted, uh, thought outside the box, or in the case of virtual camp, inside the box, um, and even though they weren't the greatest revenue um, producers in some cases, they certainly did provide the product and the experience uh, and the connection that, you know, camp is so desperate or, or uh, is so important. So, you know, I think it's just the resilience and the uh, adaptability of the people that we have in, in the camping profession that that really kind of showed through.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and Tamarack is a day camp, is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: So what, what were some of the uh, surprising adaptations that you used at Tamarack?
1: For us, it was completely redesigning our program to accommodate uh, pods of 10 in, in, instead of larger groups or... Like adding activities and changing the activities, running four of the same activities at one time. You know, typically we would run maybe twelve activities at one time with you know thirty or forty kids at each at each activity, with you know with their staff. And we ended up running you know thirty activities with ten to twelve kids at each activity. Uh, so you know, completely redesigning the program. Transportation had to had to had to change, especially in the high at the height of the pandemic in twenty twenty. From a door to door to, situation to pick up and then just other program things, parent visitation, uh, overnights, family nights, every, everything we did. And then you had to start thinking uh, in terms of we, we ran a fall camp for, for nine weeks, you know, and the challenges that came with running an, a, an extension basically to our program for nine additional weeks, basically running it right until the point that daylight savings kicked in and we lost almost all of our daylight, you know, to to be able to run. I mean, the last couple of days, the kids were running around in headlamps, but, um, you know, (laughs) those are, just like flashlight day, but, you know, just, just finding new and creative and different ways to do things. And, you know, in our case, we came up with the idea for doing fall camp, literally within about 25, 30 minutes. And, I turned it over to two of our two of our full time staff and said, you know, let's run a program for fall camp. What do you think? Get back to me in a couple hours. So that's
0: the epitome of creativity and resilience. Yeah, that?
1: we did it. Uh, number one, we needed to provide a service for our families because kids had literally nothing at that time in the fall of 2020. Uh, certainly, the additional revenue was was welcome, uh, but we saw that with camps all over. Overnight camps were running educational pods. Some of the day camps were running educational pods. Camps ran, you know, tried to do other events that, you know, holiday events or you know, special activities that they could that they could run distance at their at their site. So, you know, there was just a lot of a lot of thinking outside the box. And then you go into these camps that were sending home these incredible boxes of of supplies. Yeah. and and mailing them to their participants and providing hours and hours and hours of virtual programming which is exhausting. I think probably even it's almost as exhausting as running in person. Yeah. And you know, just to continue delivering the product. I think it it's uh, you know, I think it was actually pretty inspirational to to watch the way we adapted as a profession for, in 2020.
0: Yeah, agree and and provided so the, the, those crucial connection moments for for those kids too. I really agree. So And I want to tell you, I really appreciate the webinar that you recorded with Dave and Brian Crater and Rachel Satinsky and Kevin Trapani about the business of CAMP in uncertain times. So thinking about that excellent webinar, and everyone should check it out, it's free on the ACA Learning Center. What, What have you been learning from your friends that have operated, and what are your thoughts about the industry
2: right now? Thanks, John. You know, one of the things about the camp industry has always been our ability to be flexible and creative and to be resilient, just as as you and Dave mentioned before. These are qualities that have never been more important. And uh, it reminds me, the National Conference theme coming up next February is survive and thrive, which is what so many of us had to do. And I know that the conference is going to showcase lessons that we as an industry learned during the COVID experience, along with general best practices in these crazy times. But the ability to adapt to changing conditions was just crucial. But in, on top of that, the business basics, having systems, controls, plans, and good advisors, those things don't change uh, in spite of the challenges that may pop up. In fact, they're probably even more important than ever during uncertain times like this.
0: So, uh, in talking with colleagues, what what systems come to mind that you think people really dug their heels in and showed that that expertise that we've got in looking after groups of, of participants?
2: Well, absolutely, health and safety. Uh, sanitation protocols that ACA was so uh, helpful with in getting resources for camp directors. But, you know, everything had to be adjusted, whether it was drop off and pick up or just, you know, trying out an opportunity that we might not have ever imagined and of course, it led to a lot of uh, new things and perhaps some things that we wouldn't have ever thought of because of tradition. And of course, we've all learned to love Zoom and how we can interact with multiple people virtually, whether for staff training, camp reunions, or even you know family visits. Yeah. So we have to look at all the pluses that came out of these opportunities.
0: Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you bring that up because I hope that the field guide was helpful to camps. Um, I know that a lot of camps uh, learned about the NPIs and things like that uh, through ACA's uh, resources. Um, And a funny thing that I've heard, maybe it's not funny, but have you also heard that kids haven't been as uh, adverse to wearing masks as some parents have been to the kids wearing masks? Uh, (laughs) Dave, I see you laughing. (laughs) What's your point of view?
1: Oh, uh, it, you know, kids are, kids are so remarkable in the way that they're, you know, you could ask them to walk on, you know, all fours or do a, a headstand before they were able to get off the bus and they try to do it. I mean, that's just because, you know, that's how they do it. And, and most of them would probably try to do it with some kind of flair. We, we actually were forced to make the decision this summer uh, when we started seeing breakthrough infections uh, from vaccinated parents and vaccinated family members uh, starting to get the children because people were kind of resuming their normal life. They weren't being as careful, but you still have these children at home who are unvaccinated and, you know, extremely susceptible to, you know, to, to, to any sort of exposure from COVID. And we started seeing, we, we had three children in the span of about four days who had tested positive. We ended up having to, uh, uh, quarantine two groups. Of, of, of campers because of it, but they tested positive and they'd gotten it from fully vaccinated parents. So this wasn't, this wasn't about the, you know, a vaccination issue or anything like that. It's just, you had six-year-olds who weren't able to do it. And we that made the decision to go back indoors and out for the remainder of the summer for about four weeks, the kids were fantastic about it. Even the staff was fantastic about it. And, you know, if you've ever seen kids trying to play dodgeball or capture the flag at full mass, I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's remarkable, but, you know, because we're we're a day camp, we, we, we can't create that bubble the same way our, our resident uh, camp communities can. And, and we felt that that was a way that we could truly address the issue of doing everything we can to make sure that these kids are being as, you know, we're creating an environment that's as safe as possible. The kids were fantastic about it. Actually, the parents were pretty good about it as well. Uh, we had a handful of parents who were just absolutely livid about the fact that, you know, that these were decisions that we were we were making. And, you know, you're patient and you listen and you, you know, offer them fine. You know, we, we, we're happy to refund any remaining camp, you know, that you have for the remainder of the year. I totally get it. It's a change in, in direction. And they didn't, <laughs> but... You know, children are much more, much more adaptable and, and willing, you know, than than adults. Adults can can be pretty firm sometimes in their mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, agree. And, Anne, <laughs> you alluded to um, sort of that the opportunities that come along with challenges. So what are some of the opportunities that may come out of these adjustments that camps have been making? So, for example, I <laughs> believe... Uh, <they've... laughs> We answered that one. <laughs> I, I really, I'm really am with you. Um, so, but I want to ask, Dave. you know, some, some camps have stopped doing parent visits and are like seriously considering whether, you know, they need to do that anymore. Or I, I was with a day camp for a long time and I found that separation anxiety really went down when there was a kiss goodbye at the car door. Um, sure. or putting them right onto the bus rather than making it all the way to camp and, you know, hanging around for the first period and that sort of thing. Um, do you see some other uh, changes that might be longer term that got their start in our, our responses to the health crisis?
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think, and, and again, this is just me speaking as the owner of a, of a private independent day camp, But I think sometimes you do things because you feel that is what you need to do in order to remain competitive with, you know, the other camps that you have in your area or that your population, you know, would be considering or or things you feel you should be doing because that's kind of traditionally what we've always done. And we used to do overnights for the, you know, with the kids at camp and we would do eight or 10 overnights a year for the kids. And we would have staff staying, you know, with 20 kids at, you know, and, and sleeping on the floor of the music room and, and, and they were fun. And it was, you know, a, a, it was a good community program, um, but the liability of it and the additional stress of it. I, 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 either my wife or I were at camp, you know, every night that we had an overnight until 12 or one o'clock in the morning uh, until, you know, everybody was finally asleep. I think, I think you're just seeing that you're going to see a lot of programs that we've always kind of done because we've always done it. I think those are going to go by the wayside because I think really we're starting to look at, you know, what is, you know, what is the reason for your program? What, what's your why? Yeah, I, I think it for lack of a better term. And, and I think because of COVID and because we've had to really make some hard choices about program and about activities and about things we've always traditionally done. Uh, I think it's created the opportunity for us to truly kind of sit back and think about, okay, what is our why? Why are we doing our program? What is it that we want kids to walk away from or our participants to walk away from at the end of the summer? And I don't want to say it was a blessing in disguise. I, you know, I, I absolutely not, but it truly was a wonderful opportunity to kind of have that, you know, from a business standpoint to sit back and just go, okay, what is it we need to convey to the kids? What is most important for us? What is our why?
0: Yeah,
2: I, I think well, that's and, so important. And, yeah, and I also think that it it changed some of the expectations that parents have as well. We had parents who suddenly decided that they really did not mind not getting out of the car to drop off their kids, and hiking up to their cabin, that uh meeting the staff while they stayed in the car was just fine. So, you know, maybe we would never have seen that as an ideal situation. And perhaps uh, we'll change it in the future. But you know, it's certainly let all of us know that there are other alternatives in how we do things that may, may be better.
0: Absolutely. And I think um there's there's been a sense of Leadership teams and even frontline staff feeling a little bit overwhelmed, and that's been growing and growing and growing. And the antidote to that is to simplify. And this has given people an opportunity to simplify and lean into their why, and lean into those intentional things. You know, is it building community? Is it uh, is it growing these these important aspects of our participants? If it isn't maybe it doesn't need to go on anymore. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think that's really great. So what are some of the historical challenges to the camp industry um, that we can learn from? We've had other epidemics, maybe not on this same level. We've had financial stressors, not maybe at this level. What, What can we kind of reflect on that will help us in this current time?
2: You know, there are always going to be challenges that present themselves and interrupt our best plans. We've dealt with viruses before, like the swine flu pandemic, uh, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. And we learned from that. And unfortunately, camps deal with the threat of fire, a lack of water, or extreme temperatures every year. We know all about climate change and the effects, and we're having to, to, uh, to make plans on how to deal with those risks. But of course, nothing was quite as big as the challenge of, of COVID this summer. But again, we started out talking about how resilient and flexible camps are. And I think that's why camps made it without many, many ripples.
1: Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I, 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 the closest I can think, and it wasn't even close, but was a recession and, and crash of two thousand and eight. Eight, with the financial uncertainty, certainly as a, as, you know, as an independent business that, that to us was, you know, there were, we, there were some anxiety and stress related with that in terms of, you know, the decreased number of campers. And I think there's a lot of things we learned in that in terms of the way we kind of moved forward after 2008 and, and did things differently and adapted and changed some of our processes and the way we presented, I think our, ourselves you know, from a marketing standpoint and from a business standpoint, but again, nothing compared to to 2020 and 2021. Uh, They were both uh, difficult, but I think in both cases, what we certainly did at that time anyway, was you you take stock financially, you take stock programmatically, you take stock kind of, you know, where you see your, your business going and you start working out scenarios. Some of them in your head, some of them on paper, some of them, you know, just kind of group think with your with your leadership team and really thinking about, okay, this is what we're anticipating. What are some things we're anticipating? And then you start going A, B, C, sometimes D and E. And sometimes it's a combination of, you know, D and E and A and B or, or, you know, all of the above, you know, cause you're going to find that way to adapt and be creative and, and, you know, hopefully address the needs of your community and your participants and your business and, and, and move forward the best you can.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you've got to keep both of those plates spinning at the same time, the reaction plate plus the planning plate. I, I just feel like so many camps were triaging all that they were trying to solve, but there's also this impulse to have a longer range plan. Like, you know, we we've got business issues that we've got to plan for and keep keep going. So with that in mind, what are some of the, the fundamental business concepts? that everyone should master, especially now and in relation to tough times? Because you are the business of camp authors. (laughs) This is... (laughs) Yes, it is. is. You are my favorite experts on this topic.
1: You know, and and I'm happy to go first on this one. In terms of, you know, things that you should master, I think everybody needs to have a basic understanding of what the financial requirements of their program are. I think that may be a little bit easier in my case, or in the case of other people, you know, in, in, in the independent world, uh, because you're more intimately involved with the day-to-day finances than maybe one of our colleagues in an agency program, where they're given the, you know, the budget and and they kind of work from a from a budget standpoint. But but even on that side of the coin, and Anna, you can certainly address this much better than I. You know, I think that's really where the communication within your organization is important to make sure that your CEOs and your CFOs are are aware of what the financial needs are for the program. So they're creating budgets, I think, that that reflect that. I just think it's really, you know, that, that to me is probably the biggest thing. It's just making sure you can articulate financially what you need to run your program and run it well. Uh, because just because you're in a in a pandemic doesn't mean you don't want to, you know, run your program, you know, the best you possibly can, you know, while also managing the financial needs of the organization. So uh, that that would be mine.
2: Well, you know, I, I would agree. Every owner and director needs to have that thorough understanding of the finances related to camp. You know, I, I would disagree in that I think that nonprofit camps and, and agencies have just as big a challenge and, Gone are the days when a camp director would just be handed a budget and uh, told, you know, you know, go direct camp. Every camp director I know in a nonprofit agency is just as concerned about uh, their finances and and how they're going to make their budget as as anybody else. But, you know, they've got to know what costs are variable based on the number of campers, you know, what are the fixed costs. Uh, what, what's the break-even number of campers per week and per year? You know, I, I think there are more things in common now as it relates to knowing the financial situation and, and how you're going to meet your budget than maybe ever before. In addition to that financial issue, I think another really fundamental and important thing that that people need to um, need to know and has been certainly brought to the forefront is contingency planning. Because, you know, the best laid plans may not work. (laughs) And again, it goes back to uh, being flexible and being creative and certainly having some competent, very competent business advisors. And whether you're a for-profit or a not-for-profit, you've got to know. And I I think anybody who had a PPP loan knows now the value of having a good relationship with your banker because... uh, that 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 was a key this year to to getting those loans
0: absolutely absolutely so who else is in Mm -hmm. that circle of business advisors uh when you're thinking about it um because i think there may be some turnover this is what i'm hearing in in some camp leadership perhaps that's not as easily conveyed information as some of the other you know, how to run our program, how to run our site Mm -hmm. information. What are some of those other key relationships that that people need to have?
2: Well, in addition to a banker and accountant, an employment lawyer, you know, you need to have a good attorney first, but you especially need someone who can advise you on employment law. Because, you know, whether it's uh, an unfortunate termination Or, you know, how you deal with uh, someone who wants to bring a service animal to camp and you've never had to experience that before. You need to be able to have uh, an employment attorney that you can pick up the phone and call and and ask some of those questions. And in addition to that, an insurance broker who understands camps and the risks that we're managing.
0: I agree, I agree.
2: Some some camps are
0: even... Uh, working with PR firms. You talked about contingency plans, and I think those communication points are opportunities when things don't go well. Um, having a professional who understands how to manage that is a good idea. So, you know, add add to your library you know, Business of Camp, but also uh, Crisis Response. <laughs> there's there's some great stuff in the, uh, in the bookstore. If you've got the Accreditation Process Guide, Business of Camp and Crisis Response, You might be able to uh, get through the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just, you know, anecdotally, last summer, we had the first day of camp at 530 in the afternoon, Uh, I had a counselor who called and said, yeah, I tested positive. Of course, he couldn't have done that, you know, on Sunday, before he showed up at camp, but whatever, (laughs) or he'd been exposed to, uh, to somebody who tested positive. So, you know, you've got to respond to that. And at that point, you know, when everybody was, I think, I think the fear level on COVID last summer in 2020 was much higher than, than 21, at least from our standpoint, you know, because you just, we didn't understand as much about COVID then as we do now. And certainly the way it affects younger people um, or most younger people anyway. And I, I, I reached out to a consultant that we've worked with, you know, for a number of years and okay, do we, how do we send this out? Do we notify the world? Do we notify just the group? You know, I think those are important things that you need to look at in terms of, you know, how do you respond in in a crisis and when there's a crisis. Um, and you know, usually we kind of reserve some of those things for major catastrophes. But you know, I think it's really important the way you respond is is as important, you know, as having a response plan and thinking that through.
0: I agree. I agree. I think there's, you know, a family that thinks head lice is a crisis but maybe <laughs> maybe you don't think Analyze is a crisis oh. but i think and,
2: and, and as much as we don't like to to think about the possibility uh, we also have to be prepared for any allegations of child abuse Absolutely. Uh, and having both an attorney and a marketing professional who can talk to each other and cover cover the whole situation from you know what's legal to you know, what's the best way to handle this with the media? What's the best way to handle this with parents? Very important. And, you know, those of us who are lucky enough, and I say that with as in all sincerity, to work with a board, sometimes have the opportunity to recruit people for that board who have some of those skills that can help us in a crisis, whether it be a marketing person, you know, or, or a physician or a, An attorney. Yeah, and I I think that's exactly right. And I would also add
0: the time to write those communication pieces and the time to really identify those plans is six months before, you know, it's a it's a distance away from the camp season happening because it's too late, you know, right at that moment to start creating these things and the adrenaline is pumping and you need to, you know, activate the plan, not create the plan. So uh, in the in the quiet time, you know, think about the worst possible things and and just uh, gear up for all of that right right then.
2: Yeah, yeah. like right now is a great time to be yeah. developing some of those contingency plans and risk management plans. And not being
1: afraid, you know, I I mean not to not to you know take this too far, but you know, don't be afraid to ask your your families for help. Ann mentions. You know, recruiting people for the board, obviously I don't answer to a board, but we found tremendous resources uh, this year through COVID from physicians who were willing to to do tests for us and having a resource for that in in the event that there was a, a, a camper or a staff person who was exposed, having a reliable place to send them. We had another person who ended up running the testing program for the University of Wisconsin University System. And so he 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 had, you know, at his disposal, an immense number of resources that we could borrow from in terms of, okay, we're running an open community program in a day camp. How are we going to test this? Do we test everybody? Do we test nobody? Do we test on an ad need basis? You know, don't be afraid to ask for help because there's a lot of people within our programs, everybody's programs that have levels of expertise, again, whether it be in, in finance or banking or... Law, marketing, healthcare. Uh, there's there's a lot of people out there who can help and are willing to help because they want to see us all be successful.
2: I want to point out that camp directors are not alone. This is the time that we can call on our colleagues, yeah. people who have had similar experiences. You know, it's it's yet another reason to a- attend the conferences to you know belong. First of all, belong to ACA. Yeah. Second of all, to go to conferences, meet your other local colleagues and, you know, find out how they dealt with situations. And, you know, knowing that a lot of our uh, camp directors, especially in agencies, are sometimes younger and don't necessarily have a lot of experience makes it all the more important to, to know your neighbors and, and your other professional colleagues. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for that plug, too, because <laughs> that's something that I do.
2: Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> one of my, my favorite stories is uh, these two camps were on the same lake and didn't really know each other that well until they met at a conference. Then when one of their roads washed out, they were able to borrow the backhoe from the other camp, having met them at an ACA event, which you know was really great. Um, but Dave, something that, that you and I have talked about in separate conversations and really appreciate about your sort of perspective is you look at your parents not as just a customer base but as a community you're that's the community of your camp and I think um leveraging that during this last time to get those experts um, is real genius and real testament to that work that you've done to build a community of all of your participants both the the children and their parents so I think that's amazing
1: oh, oh absolutely absolutely And and whether it, whether it be, you know, staff recruitment. And and former campers, alumni, re- reaching out and, and kind of sending emails about, hey, you know, do you have a college kid who's looking for a job this summer, or do you want to get them out of the house for six hours a day? Like I said, healthcare, any number of things. You, they they want to help. They enjoy helping. They they feel a better connection, a bigger connection. And you know, people who are connected tend to recommend, yeah, you know, programs that they're connected to and things that they're connected to where they've had positive experiences. And you know, you don't do it just because you wanna get more campers or you don't do it just because you get staff. But when you start trying to develop that or leveraging that, you know, and we all have those those levels of community within our, our own programs. I mean, it's what we do as, an, as a profession and as an organization with ACA. And by all means, especially in a situation like we've just gone through for the last 18 months, almost two years now, you have to utilize those resources.
2: Yeah. And you know, the same is true with the resources and the connections in your neighborhood, it may not necessarily be another camp, but to, to develop relationships with the, the, the businesses or the homeowners or whoever is around you can be extremely helpful. Using local people as opposed to uh, bringing in people from the city or, or wherever makes all the difference, Absolutely. you know, because you want the camp to become a part of that local community just as, as much as you want. Your parents to become a part of your community in those relationships with the fire department and absolutely,
1: and absolutely.
2: If you can buy
0: local instead of having Amazon drop a bunch of things off, too, that's that's going to you know raise your standing in that that neighborhood as well. So, what are what are some other business gaps that we need to guard against? I think as an industry, we're amazing at youth development. I think an area for growth could be business development and business acumen. What are some other gaps uh, that we need to kind of be aware of and and guard against?
1: Well, John, I I think, and this is something that is kind of a private frustration that I have. I think too often we as camp directors and as camp owners and all aspects of camp, I, I think we tend to underestimate ourselves in terms of what we are as small businesses. And we think of ourselves as kind of mom and pops and you know, but when you look at a camp, just take a camp that has a tremendous amount of cash flow or a great cash flow in terms of, you know, steady revenue. They've got incredible assets, especially if there's land involved, equipment, you know, staff, you have intellectual property, small camp businesses are big businesses. And I think too often we, we kind of take a more humble approach that, you know, because we do such important work in our communities, all of us do. And, you know, I think we need, I don't, I'm not saying we need to think of ourselves as like, you know, mega national or multinational companies, but we're pretty big, small businesses in terms of yeah, our asset value and our, and mm-hmm. our, and our cash flow and our, 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 our revenue. And, and I think we need to make sure as Ann has said, and Anne, I think we've discussed that you have processes in place, that you're taking care of that. Fairly sizable small business, yeah. and and you know, do you have banking? Do you have accounts? Do you have legal, HR, marketing? Do you have those things taken care of? Resources that you can use in order to 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 build your uh, to build your business. And um, I I think that's probably you know one of the one of the the, the biggest gaps that I've seen. I also and and this is going to kind of harp a little bit on 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 HR and kind of some marketing policies, but you know i think covid exposed some things where we as an industry need to look at what are we doing sick pay for for staff most camps if if somebody doesn't work they don't they don't get paid especially in the day camp world that's kind of a common thing well when somebody is staying at home Waiting for a COVID test so that they don't get everybody else sick at camp. Are you really going to penalize that person, you know, for making sure that they're making the right choices from a health standpoint? There's been a lot of stress involved with this entire process from all of us. You know, sometimes people just need a day to kind of collect their thoughts, uh, and then you have families that are going to have to miss because of an exposure. Are are you gonna are you gonna refund a portion of that? Are you gonna refund the week they miss while they're in quarantine uh, or two weeks in some cases? I think we really need to kind of examine and where some of our policies are from a business standpoint, you know, with our employees and our customers in terms of, are we making the right decisions? Are we making the, you know, are we doing what's best, not only for our business, but also for the people that work for us and the people that we work for?
2: You know, I, I would agree with Dave and we, we talked about the need to have an employment attorney. Well, employment attorneys are great when it comes to legal and the law, But having a a human resources specialist, a human resources professional, that's a different person. And that person can help with some of the things that Dave was talking about. You know, what are the best practices now when it comes to do you pay someone while they're waiting on a COVID test? Throughout, whatever, whatever the issue is, whatever the challenge is, we just can't forget that, you know, as, as much as our heart is, is into what we're doing, we still have to remember that this is a business and we have responsibilities to our customers. You know, they're not just kids and parents, they're our customers we have responsibilities to some of our lenders, whether it's a banker or whether it's you know Uncle Sam, uh, through some of the the wonderful programs that we could take advantage of, and we have to maintain those business practices, those systems, those protocols that will allow us to operate a business in a very professional manner, and and not not let some of the the challenges of the day get the best of us.
0: Absolutely, and to your point about having an HR expert and hiring locally, I think a gap that uh, COVID revealed was a lot of camps dependency on J-1 workers. There's just this assumption that a certain percentage of the staff will come from that program. And that that was just a, a shut off or down to a trickle. So. Yeah, I would, I would agree completely. And that's that's part of contingency planning too, which is what if we're not getting our, our staff through our typical uh, streams? That reliance on local workers was a trend that came out of the last summer. Did you notice any other trends? Did, or, or do you see any other trends emerging from all of this?
2: I think we're seeing some consolidation either of ownership in both independent camps and within nonprofits where uh, I know the Girl Scouts, for example, have have consolidated a lot of their smaller councils. And with those councils, they had some camps that were relatively small, and and they have had to make some difficult decisions about having fewer sites that end up serving more people. And I think that's going to continue. I would think that day camps will grow. And I hope that we see the trend that more camp owners and directors are recognizing the benefits of being involved in the American Camp Association. What a great,
1: that was great, great tie-in right there. That's incredible. uh, (laughs) Listeners don't
0: know this, but I send a $5 bill to (laughs) Ann. One of these great things. Um, So as we close and after working through these last two very challenging years, what is your advice to camp owners and directors as it relates to camp business?
2: Well, you know, 20 years ago, All of our lives changed after 9-11, and now having TSA checkpoints at airports is just a way of life. I think the same is going to be true with COVID. It's not going to go away. Uh, We may be dealing with these protocols for the foreseeable future, and there are probably some changes that we'll have to make in sanitation protocols, program adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. But even within that, the foundational general business practices are still necessary to have a successful operation. You know, success comes in a lot of different ways, it comes in happy campers and parents who want to send their children back the next year but it also comes in having a positive bottom line. We do this because we believe in the mission. We, we have a passion for camp or no one would... You know, I don't think anybody gets business to make money, but we have to break even at least to keep the doors open. You know, it's kind of like the Nelson Mandela quote that you may recognize, a good head and a good heart are always a formidable combination. Well, camp directors and camp professionals of all types have a heart for kids and camping, but we have to also have a head for business. And when that happens, uh, camp will be here to stay, and we'll be able to make a significant impact in the lives of kids. Excellent, Dave. What would be your
0: your parting
1: advice? Well, everything Anne just said, <laughs> but you know the the trust your team and and build your team in terms of your your year round staff and your summer staff that you know are going to be returning year after year. Get them involved with the process because nobody knows your program better. Than the people who've helped deliver it for you. Uh, but then you have to start thinking about your team in terms of outside professional help, which we've you know kind of talked about at, at length already. Uh, but that also is going to include local local politicians and national politicians. you know if you haven't established a relationship with your congressman at this point, what are you waiting for? Or your local state representatives or people within your state government or your local governments? It, These relationships the yeah, are so it. important. Absolutely, and Absolutely. and you know you have to you have to have resources. You have to have people to speak with. And I can think of fifteen different times that I've written my my U.S. congressman or my local state representatives on issues ranging from the way the SBA loans were being administered early in the pandemic to the way unemployment benefits were being hijacked in the state of Illinois and assistance on how to get some of these issues when when fraud started to occur you have to have those resources so m- develop your team and build your team you know and it's not always just those people that are you know with you for 8 weeks or 10 weeks during the summer it's it's you know people outside of that as ann alluded or, or suggested Covid's not going to disappear. I think I, I read this morning that we're already looking now at a mu mutation. So fortunately, I think there's fewer letters in the Greek alphabet than there are in the, in the in the English alphabet. So hopefully, we won't use them all. But we're going to see we're going to see this continue. And you need to know and understand and keep updated on your health regulations. And just as you build your team with, you know, the people around you, you need to make sure that those health departments are involved as well. And if you haven't, again, man, get going because you have to understand, you have to know how they're being applied. And if you have a question, ask them, because I think more often than not, most health departments are actually kind of impressed that somebody has read these, you know, to the point that they're asking questions about how they're going to be applied. And I know throughout two summers of running camp during COVID that we literally have had our local health department, our county health department on speed dial. We haven't quite gotten to the point that we're sending them holiday cards, but I think one more year of the pandemic, we probably will um (laughs) and and, but you have to understand those and sometimes they're going to make rulings that go against their own policies and aren't clear interpretations and so you know you need to be able to advocate for yourself because if you're if they're asking you to quarantine a group for a week and you don't need to quarantine that group for a week that's a substantial amount of revenue that you're going to have to give back or lose Mm. and i don't think anybody's at a point right now where we can afford to do that and you know and that would those are really my two key takeaways, and really my third just really has more to do with how we all operate ourselves, you know, and, and you know, Mark Twain, I think, said it really well in, in in that, you know, you're never wrong to do the right thing, right. And whether it's a case of COVID, or, you know, a situation on, you know, transportation or a situation that occurs at camp, communicate it, be upfront about it, you know, and, and address it head on. Um, because especially in times like these, where parents are so anxious, and, and everybody has a heightened level of anxiety right now. I think, you know, that's been one of the great tragedies of this entire pandemic has just been ha- the, the toll that it's taken on everyone emotionally, whether they became ill with the virus or not. And, you know, if you're addressing these things head on and you're, you know, you're doing this in an ethical and an honorable way and, and you're dealing with people fairly, I think it, it you know, in the long run, it's going to benefit all of us. So. Those are kind of my takeaways, I think, from kind of looking forward and, you know, if somebody were to ask me with a crystal ball.
2: And remember that your number one resource begins with the letters ACA,
1: <laughs>
2: whether it's whether it's your colleagues or the website or the conference Look well, for those
1: I, it, letters first. Well, and look at the number of uh, webinars, you know, and, and I, I I think back to and John, I think back to that webinar that we did back, what was it, March, end of March last year, mm-hmm. you know, when it was only two weeks to flatten the curve, you, you know, and I don't think anybody had any idea at that point that, that this was going to be 17 or 18 months later that we were going to still be working on this, you know, yeah. and and, and ACA was right there. And then you look at the work that, John, you and your colleagues have done in professional development. We've had weekly webinars at ACA Illinois. We've had, you know, our MAIC group or WAKE. I know they've had frequent meetings and, and webinars uh, talking about issues. And even just an opportunity to share with somebody who's kind of going through the same struggle and the same, you know, they're facing the same challenges. It, it's an incredible resource to, to be able to use
0: that. And not that it was made. A- Official or anything, but there was this, I, I felt this notion of together, we can get through this. And that's what I saw happening all over the place mm-hmm. is everyone just pulling each other up onto that all aboard platform.
1: I think I, I, that's why I think the, the theme for this year's conference, not that I'm looking for the $5 payment, John, or anything, <laughs> but we can talk about that afterwards, you know, survive and thrive. I mean, it was, it's been a difficult, difficult year and a half. But I think we're emerging and I think we're going to continue working through this. And I think we're all going to be better and stronger for it. So it, it, it truly takes, you know, takes a, a collective effort.
2: And I like to think that we're beyond the survive part. We're into thrive.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Let's
0: get, to thriving. Let's get to thriving. OK, so that that lifts up a bunch of ideas. So thanks for mentioning that webinar. Everyone should check out um, the business of camp in uncertain times it's available for free in the ACA Learning Center. Uh, get the business of camp. What an excellent, excellent resource that is uh, for our camp directors. Thank you both for your hard work on that. And make sure that you make plans to come to Portland for the national conference. Uh, survive and thrive and really leaning into this, this thrive idea. Um, Dave, thanks for being the, the chair of that event. I think it's gonna be incredible. I'm looking- can that wait. Yeah. I I really appreciate your time today. Um, Thanks for for lifting up these ideas of of circling ourselves with excellent business advisors and really drilling deeply on the the business fundamentals um, as it applies to all these adaptations that we've been doing. Couldn't have talked to two more interesting uh, and and enjoyable (laughs) experts on this. So I, I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, John, it's been a pleasure. And it's always great to see you as well.
2: Good to see both of y'all. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Excellent.
0: Excellent. So follow us at ACA Camps on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And CampWire is available on Spotify and iTunes. Again, thank you both very, very much.